Welcome to this week's episode of the Gen Z Report, part of the Gen Z podcast for generational change. Uh, tonight, we are joined by me, CJ, who's he, him, as well as my talking partner. Uh, that is Robin. Uh, he, they. How are we doing, y'all? Yeah. Uh, and today's episode is going to be a more emotional episode to combat the more factual episode of last week, uh, where we are going to be talking about climate crisis and the impending existential dread that we are faced with as it just kind of looms in the background. Woo! Exciting stuff. Yes. So for today, the this week, which is that of today is July 6, 2023. We have just experienced the three hottest days ever since we have started recording the temperature of the earth. This has something that is not unsurprising to anyone who's even passively looked at science and the warning signs, because we've known that this was going to happen as a result of putting more pollutants and greenhouse gases in the air. This is something that has been very, very predicted. Uh, in fact, it's been so predicted that ExxonMobil uh, knew about this way back in the 90s. And instead of taking steps to keep the planet alive, to offer a major change in course correction, instead decided to somewhat shut it down. Now, we are born in the 90s and after here on this podcast tonight, and thus we're not a part of any of those decisions that have made, not a part of any of that stock growth that has been happened, and will pay the majority of the consequences from those actions of the past. However, we as voters also are currently trying to be responsible to make things at least a little bit easier on the current and future generations of the people that come after us. But to focus on the Exxon part first, uh, did you want to talk about anything specific on that, Robin? Uh, so sure, what was it? Um... As somebody pointed out, I believe it was uh, it was a report done by ExxonMobil that was funded by ExxonMobil, where in the uh, in the late seventies uh, they had a bunch of scientists come together and like really research the uh, impact that um, <clears throat> what they were doing by like drilling into everything and how it's like affecting the climate as a whole, right? And they had found um, if I can uh, read through this because I'm having to. Uh, Play a little catch up here. Yeah, so the temperature change was going to drastically skyrocket, right? And we had known that since like even like back in the 70s, right? And the issue with that is that like like CJ has said, that we are going to be experiencing the consequences of that now. And I think it's interesting given Exxon's choice to not even release this report until decades later, right? Where they had already known and despite already knowing 
continuing to do so anyway, continuing to push like the fossil fuel industry and everything like that, just because it's better for the bottom dollar, right? Because that's just the way it goes with everything where it's a, a short-term gain for long-term uh, long negatives for everybody else, right? Um, and, and this is pretty traditional economics theory where if you have things such as the tragedy of the commons, hey, this is something that is going to affect greater, wider society at a much higher rate than it is going to affect the individual company, then they can reap the profits while everyone else has to pay the brunt of this. Now, this isn't something that is specific to ExxonMobil. Uh, this is not something that is specific to any of the top polluter companies. Uh, we do have an article uh, going through the top 100 companies uh, that do create, I believe it, I had it earlier just up, uh, that is responsible for 71% of our greenhouse emissions. And the part of this is that you have China, for the top 10 companies, you have China Coal, Saudi America, uh, Gazprom, OAO, National Iranian Oil, Exxon Mobil Corp, Coal India, Petrolis Mexiconis, Russia Coal, Royal Dutch Shell, and the China National Petroleum Corporation. For these companies that are polluting, it is not 100% on them in that it is how our societies are structured and built up. It is the incentive structure that has been made to prioritize these oil and coal and different parts of living. But that then leads to yet more frustration as someone that is young. Now, Robin, for me, at the very least, I have found that I have, as a result of climate change and many other factors, have been a lot more conscious of my fellow man, my fellow American, my fellow human honor. I, in the face of kind of looking at, oh, well, here's all this great that's happened, here's all these you know, few few dozens of you know, tens of hundreds of people that are getting rich off these things. Well, I want to have that be changed. And that is something that is really important to me. And I feel like there's a lot more shared identity, I guess, when it comes to kind of generationalness, because this is going to be something that we all need to collectively fight and clean up from our parents and grandparents of the past together. Do you feel any sort of that when kind of looking at these facts and evidence? I would definitely say that just me as a young person, I'm 22, that, that, that there is something to be said about we are more conscious in general about just like the different like climate crisis and how it's going to affect us because we have had to live through so many different like once in a lifetime things just happening just as we're growing up right like during the uh like the 2008 housing crisis during like the like blm one of the biggest like 
civil rights sort of protest that's that we've ever seen um like COVID 19 hitting us and that's like even on top of just like a bowl and everything else that happened before there are so many of these like just once in a lifetime different massive events that are just like world shattering for us that i'm not sure if like people in past generations have had to deal with just so much at once and just with the advent of the internet us being able to be more aware of that at the same time is definitely like really impactful for a lot of young people, right? We just like see all this different information coming at us at once. And then we have the looming threat of just like the planet itself is now just like sort of like turning in on us kind of thing, right? It is very much, uh, we, 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 there, there are so many consequences that we have to bear as a result of just like different past decisions, policies and stuff like that, that, I think is very unprecedented for just like previous generations. And I think that's where like a lot of us are sort of able to understand each other in that aspect, right? Just like having to live through the consequences of everything like that. Yeah. And the the other thing, and, and we have uh, another article in on this, is that it does shape voting behavior. Uh, for at least the 2020 election, we have the Pew Research Data Results that went into how important was climate change and the climate crisis to different voters. Uh, for the category of very important, people that voted for Biden had it marked at 68%. For Trump voters, they had it down at 11%. Still, something that is important to them but something that they care much, much, much less about. Uh, to also add the somewhat important into this, you had 68% uh, of Biden supporters had it at very important, and 23% had it at somewhat important. That is 91% of the voters for Biden that had it at least somewhat important with when they were trying to determine who should they be voting for? Uh, of this, there was actually uh, interesting data where you had uh, seventy. Sorry, where yeah, you had seventy-three at very important, uh, while having it at ninety-four percent. Again, of the baby boomer and older of Biden voters, having it at ninety-four percent compared to the millennial and younger, some millennials and Gen Zs that had it at 68%, uh, followed by 92%. So everyone within that camp, it was something that was very, very important for them politically. Now, if you were to look to the other side of the aisle, uh, in Trump supporters, you had 11% at very important and only 29% at somewhat important, making it a total of 40%. So even if it is something uh, where the other party, and it makes sense that if you're voting for Republicans, you might still care about it, but that's not something that is high on your list due to the very pro-corporate stances uh, that Republicans take, as well as trying to achieve energy independence. But when they mean that, they did not mean by subsidizing renewable energies that could make America the cleanest leader in green energy, a massive need? No, they mean, hey, we need to drill more pipelines. So 
there is a, a very big motivator for this. And for me, I have had many uh, instances where I've been, yeah, I'm going to vote for Democrats because of this or this or this. Uh, but the most consistent non-starter for me ever voting for a Republican has always been that environmental policy. Do you feel like that's been kind of significant to you or has there always been like the, all the other things that have kind of taken the precedent on that? Well, I would say just because given the nature of like just our information feed and everything, like as important as climate change is, excuse me, um, there are a lot of other important things to keep in mind whenever I'm voting for a president in particular. Um, Like back in 2020, COVID is obviously going to probably take precedence for a lot of people just because it's like an immediate thing that we were dealing with and it was an immediate thing that we had to solve for everything, right? Um, In terms of the other side, I think an interesting thing to point out is just because we know that climate change is like a worldwide thing, obviously, right? Uh, Global climate change and all that it's important to see where other countries are with that. And I think a majority of countries that's not even like, even if you are more on the conservative end, you can still acknowledge that climate change is a thing. And that is something that we need to sort of take place or something needs to happen in order for it to um, uh, like get fixed. Right. A big chunk of where people are actually just full on denying it or just saying that it is not as big of a deal as it is are countries like only the US, like Australia and a lot of Middle Eastern countries, right? Um, Where they are going to be more conservative or lean that way or where Murdoch media is very prevalent, right? Things like Fox News, among other things, right? The fact that other countries don't have as much Fox News as we do and that there is an incentive for Murdoch to push climate denialism, I think is very important into understanding the full picture of everything, right? Yeah. Uh, And to also add on that point, uh, Australia did in, uh, I'm not sure it is their most recent election, uh, but one of their more recent elections there was a very big ousting of anti-climate, uh, basically, legislatures, and it was the Green Parties. It was the uh, basically climate-affiliated com- um, campaigns that did have major wins during that time. Now, if they are able to actually bring things to better standards will yet to be seen. But I I do think that it is very much a good thing to be pointing out that a lot of the anti-climate change uh, policies and sentiment uh, does come from various different directions. Uh, Rather infamously, the whole, oh, monitor your uh, your carbon footprint uh, was something that was brought up by the oil industry as a way of skirting the responsibilities of all the pollutants and oils to the individuals. That way it felt like an individual responsibility uh, instead of, again, these massive, massive uh, polluting companies. Now, again, part of it is like, well, I do use my car to drive to places and that car requires gas. I do not currently have the ability to drive an electric car. However, I live in America. In America, we have a lot of different cars everywhere. That is how our cities are developed. 
So to not use a car because the cities are not walkable is not that much of an option. Uh, during my time that I was able to visit in Europe, I made it a point to not use a vehicle for the vast majority of the time that I was there as I did not have to because it was walkable, because we had trains, because we had different options available. So there, there is you know, definitely an infrastructure and a governmental side of things. Uh, but the other thing is like specifically in California, there is a lot of subsidization that goes toward these green energies. There is subsidization that also goes toward things such as biofuels, which are one fortieth of the pollutants um, to standard gasoline. And the difficulty with handling all that uh, to see the uh, comment of you should discuss the climate gate scandal and how it was mischaracterized and uh, overblown. I'm not specifically aware of what the climate gate scandal was. Uh, Robin, are you familiar with that at all? Of what he's referring um, to? No, let me look into it though. Does that sound sure. interesting? Climate research unit email controversy known as ClimateGate began in November 2009 with the hacking of a server at the Climate Research Unit by an external attacker copying thousands of emails and computer files to various internet locations several weeks before the Copenhagen Summit on Climate Change, or Copenhagen Summit on Climate Change, excuse me. Stories first broken by climate change denialists who argued that the email showed the climate warning was a scientific conspiracy and that scientists manipulated climate data and attempted to suppress critics. The CRU rejected this, saying the emails had been taken out of context. Factcheck.org confirmed the climate change deniers misrepresented the contents of the emails. Columnist James Dellingpole popularized the term climate gate to describe the controversy. Interesting. Okay. So sounds like it was another thing that was attempted to basically be the, well, not all scientists to agree, uh, in a similar way that we kind of saw in reaction to the vaccines and COVID, but that makes sense. I, I I do personally, like, I understand where you would want to have climate denial. The existential threat of, hey, things are going to get worse and things are going to continue to get worse uh, unless we do a lot about it. And then it's a lot easier to say, but what if we don't? What if you're wrong? What if that that is a, I think, more comforting thing to do? Uh, because it is pretty... Um, depressing on that. Uh, I do know that in terms of my hope when it comes to climate change is a lot of my my hope and yeah, just hope uh, comes in the thought of, okay, well, we can still potentially develop more technologies. We can do things like putting more chemicals into the air to create a more cloudy season. We have manipulated the environment before and we can do it again. We can also invest in plant, uh, carbon capture technologies, which can hopefully reduce the greenhouse gases a little bit. Now we have the whole melting ice caps issue where the original uh, ice cap melted was all that sea ice was supposed to be gone at about uh, 2050. That has been brought up to, I believe it was the 2030s. And we have an article for that as well to bring up. But Again, the other thing is, is to bring us to the original topic of this week. So this week has been the hottest three days ever. I don't know if it's officially the hottest week ever, but just, again, keeping uh, with that. 
when it comes to kind of more depressing climate news, do you ever, does it like rile you up at all or feel a pulse or is just kind of like, well, that's another thing. Sure. And more I would say following it. my, like a lot of where my attitude comes in whenever it comes to like actually trying to fix what's already happened is it's always a day late and a dollar short, right? I feel as though had we already invested in things like nuclear energy or just like less car dependency overall, that we would see a massive shift in sort of our attitude and like just the general like like health and sustainability of the planet. But the issue that we have where even if we were to start like really investing into nuclear power and everything like that today, it is still really just making up for lost time from what has already occurred and what we can already see sort of going on, right? Like, let's say like we just start putting in power plants like just today, fantastic. That takes a lot of time to research. And it seems like we are really running out of time with a lot of things. Um, I know a lot of places in the country uh, are dealing with different water crises as we speak, right? Um, I So I uh, was born and grew up a little bit in Louisiana um, during the time that Katrina hit. And not even just Katrina, but Louisiana in particular has had so many different hurricanes just hit it at once because obviously on the Gulf Coast, they're going to be getting the brunt of it always, right? And given how like oil drilling is really big over there, we can see the coast actually just corroding over time even more, right? Um, we can see different um we, we can see different flaws happening similarly in the east coast like in florida there was that condo building that had collapsed like a little bit over a year ago right and that was mm-hmm. because the building hadn't been updated the building hadn't been like just just worked on over time to like really actually be more like self-sufficient whenever it comes to hurricanes and tropical storms and everything like that right it was corroding over time and then suddenly the building collapsed and i think Um, especially after Harvey, people in Houston are noticing the same things where it's just like a lot of buildings are starting to corrode because we're having a lot more like unprecedented hurricanes just hit the coast at such a wild speed. And then meanwhile, if you take a look at the other side of the country, um, they're not getting enough water. The water is drying up. Um, Lake Mead, for example, um, one of the biggest water sources for California and Nevada um, is has dried up by about a third, I want to say, right? And you can, like, the same thing is happening with, like, the Great Salt Lake, for instance, like Lake, or like Lake Las Vegas. So they're having a water shortage in the West. We're getting hit with way too much water on the East. And again, all of this potentially could have been prevented had we just, like, started investing in different energies just over time, right? So now we're just in a position where, well, this should have been fixed a long time ago. We can do what we can to sort of like stop the bleeding, like bandages up now, but we're still having to deal with the consequences and the effects either way. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and again, to just further highlight your point, um, I, I heard that Colorado has just surpassed. Normally, they've had all of their rainfall within half of the year that they would normally get in the year within six months. And so, yes, it is, again, climate change. It is bringing things up. It's not the global warming, although everything is getting warmer. Uh, But it is the more extreme temperatures, the destabilization uh, of our climate. And I I do have, uh, this was from, I was watching a, I believe, Hank Green video on the Vlogbrothers, where 
his kind of reaction to it uh, is something I feel like is worth sharing. Or to paraphrase, we are in a very slim part of time where the climate crisis is so bad that it is having negative effects on things, but it is not so bad that everything is not undoable. And that is hopefully enough to get more policies done. And we do have things like the Inflation Reduction Act, which was the highest, uh, sorry, most expensive investment into green energy and green energy alternative, like energy alternatives, uh, as well as fighting and combating climate change. And there is a major bill on that. Uh, what I've also uh, just most recently linked uh, is just a scorecard of countries that have had a net zero uh, emissions pledge. Uh, now, for a lot of these countries, though, it is by 2050. The upside is, is that it used to be a thought in the 90s and even 2000s where, oh, if you're going to give up on carbon emissions, then you're going to need to give up on economic progress. Well, thanks to investment in green energy by richer countries, that is no longer the case. And that is now a decoupled statistic where you can have GDP growth without having an increase in your pollutants. And there is at least some progress, but like you said, it's kind of been uh, a day late and a dollar short. Uh, within the U.S., it's we are pledged to to be in policy uh, net zero emissions by 2050. But if our sea ice is melted and Florida is gone by then, that is still going to be a little bit of a, a consolation prize. And that 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 I think is at the end of the day, very frustrating thing. But then. That's also assuming that we don't have a president that comes in and tries to get us out of all the agreements that we had done before. And that is just within the United States, expanding that to another part of the world. And as a few other topics that we've talked about on this on this podcast in the past, is it's just a tiring thing to deal with. Uh, it, for me, is something that makes me kind of think, okay, do I want to have children I want to raise children and I'm going to do that, but like, do I want to even deal with potentially having a pregnancy and bringing someone else? Or am I going to go more on the attempt to adopt because, Hey, they're already stuck here. Might as well make it better. That, that, that has also been like a thing where it's been directly affecting me and my mentality and my decisions going forward. Do you feel like that's been uh, a shift for you kind of in terms of future planning at all? I mean, I would say it's definitely a factor. Um, just given the fact that, as you said, where our pendulum just with our leadership can just swing so drastically side to side time and time again, that even if we do have something that is like more proposed that like, okay, we will try to attempt to get our carbon emissions down to zero, woo, we did it, right? That can just easily be undone by the next person that comes in. And as we saw with Trump pulling out from the uh, Paris Climate Accords, Attempted that is to. a... Huh? Attempted to. We, we didn't right. actually do that, but yes. Right, but just like even the fact that like it was going to like, even going to be a factor, right? That's just a very big issue. 
And even in the case that like we have the presidency and everything else, you also have to figure, okay, well, what state do I live in and how are our state leaders also going to resolve the problem, right? Living in Texas, I can tell you that the Republican policymakers are attempting to have a, uh, what's it, the, the, the right to drive and the right to have a car. And that is what supersedes sort of anything else. Um, you have the right to be able to drive whatever car you want, uh, just energy be damned, right? So it's yep. like even like, okay, sure, I can make plans to have children like want to have a good future and everything. Do I want to do it here in this state? Do I want to do it in another country where they are taking steps, but because the fact that other countries aren't going to be doing the same thing, then it's probably going to be fucked anyway, right? So it's just like, it, it's a very fickle thing to think about. Um, yeah, and I the think- judiciary also tackling the EPA and kneecapping their ability to enforce things. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- uh, specifically that case we, we covered during our Federalist Society episode uh, where the judiciary kneecaps the EPA and being able to define swampland and marshland as something worth protecting uh, when it came to water. So that has been hit time and time and again. And yeah, it's, it's something that, again, affects uh, all of us. But yeah. The, the 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 thought process of run the thought process of you know see areas that will be the least affected and going there uh, I think is definitely prevalent. We have the you know, whole concept of the climate right refugee crisis that is also potentially impending if things don't get bad. The upside is is that we're not at we we have already done enough to where we're not going to be at human extinction level of uh, climate catastrophe, which is also good consolation prize for so far, but not the best. And that has been due to the effort of scientists and the effort of voters and the effort of public sentiment to at least get some level of policy passed. So we can see the writing on the wall, however, even if like it, Ideally, right, it, we're obviously not going to be in an extinction level, but we are also seeing that like there are going to be places in the world that are going to be hit by climate change a lot more and they will have to eventually move and like be able to like actually go to a what's a more ideal place. And we can see how even now our policymakers are already reacting to different immigrants and just like people coming in and different refugee crises that we can see how they're going to respond to it, even in a very dire time of need, right? Where they're going to like, just crack down. It doesn't really matter. Like just every man for himself. And it's just a very depressing, like like uh, depressing prospect, right? That like, we are going to see, even if it's like not going to like kill us all, obviously that we are going to see these people that like do genuinely need help. And we're just going to turn them away just because, okay, well, that's what our policymaker decided to do this time. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and it, it is something as well, or it's like, if you're, if you're for the, Oh, I want to restrict immigration. If I want to be, uh, you know, having less people that aren't part of my culture and then it's, well, don't let their climate get destroyed and maybe invest a little bit in that. And that again, would be cool, right? Uh, fight, fight, fight those things. But again, to bring it more to the, the, the personal side, uh, to wrap us up here. Um, I, 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 for me, it, it's always been a influx of, I tried to take every good news bit and, get as much as much uh, 
hope that I can get uh, out of it. But it is kind of a thing where, like you said, for every man herself, I know that it is going to affect people that are in uh, less economically stable positions a lot more than people in economically stable positions. And so it's just one more factor to need to work hard and use my education and use my uh, abilities that, that I've uh, been privileged enough to be able to seek to try to set up myself and to try to protect my family while consistently trying to vote for people and prop up people that can hopefully go into greater amounts of power. But that, that's been me and my, I guess, mental out of this is the level of commitment that I am trying to go to. Uh, I, I applaud the people that will put in the real hard work of protesting of, you know, putting in their, be it putting in their oil splots or trying to do the tie me to a tree type situation um that the, those people are, are are i feel like the the true heroes the, the greta thunbergs of the world right true uh but that 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 of my my level is trying to just push it in as much as i could or, or push forward the knowledge of it as much as i can but at, i would always say point, it I is do kind of go numb the most important thing is to never get doomer about anything, right? Because once we start moping and really believing that, oh, it's all over, then no action gets taken. And then we just, just see what happens from there, right? I always like to think that we, everybody always has some control over what they can do, whether it be with climate change, whether it be with police brutality or anything like that, right? And it's always very important to just like keep your head up and understand that we have to do what we can with the resources that we have and just move forward with it. Right. So it's very important just like even like letting people know about the issues, whether it be by protesting, whether it be by like going to different communities and just like really putting in the message that so long as you're doing that, then we're doing what we can to take control of the situation and anything that's outside of our control, we do what we can to just influence that. Right. Yeah. I think that's very well said. And so on that note, we'll leave us go. So thank you for everyone who tuned in to this week's podcast and listened all the way through. If you did enjoy the conversation, please do give us a like, and we will see you next week with our new topic. Y'all take it easy. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.